The Hairy Tarantula sells games and comics to bright and imaginative people like you. Thus, we value your mind. Without it, you'd be stupid, and we'd be out of business. So stop drinking diet sodas contaminated with aspartame, and stop microwaving your brain with a cellular phone. And if that's too much to ask, then for God's sake, spare our kids from electrochemical lobotomization. Thanks for playing. Please come again. Harry Tarantula. Look us up if you know how. This freedom of speech moment paid for by the Harry Tarantula. 354 Young, upstairs. Online at H-A-I-R-Y-T.com. That's HarryT.com. Listening to Speech Bubble, the podcast that goes one on one with Toronto's comic book luminaries, with your host, Aaron Broverman. Hello, fanboys and fangirls. Welcome to another episode of Speech Bubble. It is your host, Aaron Broverman. And with me today is Leon Emmett. Uh, Leon is the owner of the Harry Tarantula comic shop that has two locations uh, in Toronto. Leon and I go way back. The Harry Tarantula was the first comic shop I ever had a subscription box at because a friend of mine, Neil Zinyuk, I used to room with Leon, and when I was moving to Toronto to go to Ryerson University, he recommended uh, Leon's shop since it was right across the street from the campus. So welcome, Leon. Thanks, Aaron. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. Usually this is sort of like, you know, one of those in-depth conversations. We like to go deep with the guests that we have. So where I like to start is sort of how you grew up. Like, where are you from? Where were you born? What was your early life like? Um, well, to hear my parents tell it, I think I arrived in, uh, in the early seventies in a stork, uh, landed in North York in a, in a little bungalow. So I grew up there, uh, in Toronto my whole life, pretty much. I got into comic books at about 13. A friend of mine was really into comics. So I actually read his books and then actually sorted out his comics for him at one point. Cause it was driving me insane how like he had a, he had a closet full of comic books and I wanted to read some of them, and I couldn't find anything that he knew was in there. I must have been about eight or ten, maybe, when I started organizing comic books, but I didn't actually start collecting my own for years after that. And then, uh, yeah, fast forward a few years, I zipped out to Vancouver, stayed with Neil out there briefly. A couple of years later, I came back here looking to pursue my, my dreams and ambitions of being a comic store owner. And uh, eventually ended up taking over the Harry Tarantula downtown location from uh, Noam Rosen and Stephen Greenfield back in 94. Wow. Okay, cool. So let's sort of go over some of that stuff in a little bit more detail. When you were getting into comics, what initially appealed to you? Gosh, I got to think now because my tastes have changed a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't like the comics I liked then. I don't think that much. You know, when I, I remember the first things I was reading of my friends' comic were things like the Vigilante and the I think the Punisher miniseries. And okay, that, cool. It, so that must have been later though, because I don't think that came out till the eighties. Right. It wasn't. Yeah. It was. It was your 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 gritty vigilante characters that I first started reading. That seems to fit you because you you like the sort of the sort of lone wolf type of people, right? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. I guess I'm a bit of an iconoclast, yeah. like or an individualist or. Again, though, those those fantasies are a little purel, you know. It's right. fine when you're young and the world is black and white, and 
I mean, at some point you kind of, you got, you got to develop some more taste or, or you lose interest, you know? So a lot of people, they, they still think comics are all about superheroes, right? We know right. this is an issue for the, for the whole industry, but a lot of people, they read that stuff for a while and they grew out of it and they didn't find anything else. So then they still think that's what comic books is. I mean, just like Watchmen is kind of halfway out of that bag. And right, it, right. It's, it's, it's inspired by superheroism, but it also deals with like politics and more adult, I guess, themes. Humanity, yeah. inhumanity. You've even got your vigilante character if you need that. You know, Rorschach is about as bad as they come for that, right? Right, right. Exactly. You're, you think I'm locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you got into comics just because... Because we're, we're, is it like the way that everybody gets in comics, like superheroes first sort of thing? Oh, you said at first I didn't really care that much for the the spandex thing, right? You know, and, and it takes an interesting treatment for me to be interested. Conan was one of my early oh, loves. Conan, yeah. That's so awesome. I think some of the first comics I started buying of my own were back issues of Conan the Barbarian, nice. the old Marvel book, until I discovered the magazine. Nice. So when you were organizing your friends' comics, that's sort of a precursor to having your own store in your like really early in a way, life. Yeah, sort of. yeah. So do you remember how you organized them? Pretty sure I fell back to the old standard alphabet. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I, and was it like bags and boards, or like did you put them in bags and boards after? you know after like you got them out of the closet or, i think like, you mostly had bags on them when okay. they were bagged or not bagged you know okay imagine like some kind of a bureau slash closet that's just like they're piled up in there but the right. piles are falling over and cascade so you know you open the door and they all just <laughs> avalanche yeah, out yeah, there yeah. yeah but you got it with like the dividers and the alphabetical type of thing right yeah i just started pulling them into piles and you know putting like with like right and that and and, and by doing that i was able to actually read the vigilante find the next issue when i had done the last one right the vigilante is the one the it's like a cowboy sort of thing or at least the original vigilante was right like he's like on a horse with like a red it's like a dc thing right i'm trying to think if there was a precursor to him okay um but he he was a really he was a lot like the Punisher really right right so okay so this was more like a, like the Punisher style character cool okay so then once you're like hanging out with your friend what made you want to like start buying your own comics I think that was later on okay um, so I kind of I read some of his stuff I was interested in it and then I guess I would tag along maybe to the store it was and you know what else I think it was I think I I didn't want to buy them until I I had. A better job, you know, I, I delivered newspapers as a kid and then working at a well-known fast food franchise that shall remain nameless gave me enough of a, I think I was making $4.20. McDonald's? Yeah. Well, I did say it would remain nameless. Yeah. So. <laughs> but obviously, <laughs> I didn't know. I just thought it might be McDonald's. In neither term- confirm nor deny that. <laughs> okay. Okay. In terms of, uh, so you're, you're like eight years old at this point, right? And you're sort of tagging along to the shop. What was the first comic shop experience? Well, I'm trying to think. I think it might've been a little later. Like I think, okay. I mean, the friend I've known him since I was like, since we were two. Okay. And, and you know, they had a box of comics in their basement that featured, you know, Silver Age Spider-Man books just sort of sitting in a box that were the, were my friend's father's books. Right. You know, I totally forgot about that. There, there, there's a good point. Uh, somewhere around that time, after I started getting into comics, I ended up buying the collection of comics that my friend's father had from, you know, years gone, like all this old Silver Age stuff that 
they weren't that attached to and you know the kids had read them and i was getting into the comic business so i I went through a few boxes of these things and 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 bought that collection i I totally forgot about that until we were talking nice so what brought you out to vancouver eventually like where did you go to high school i don't even like there's some stuff about you that i don't even really know I'd i'd love to figure it out earl haig before it got torn down and reconstituted and Vancouver was really, you know, at the time, it was something people did when uh, it was part of growing up. You know, people would go out west to find themselves. Right. So this is like in your 20s? It would have been shortly. I, I, I dropped out of high school in like grade 11 or 12. And then due to much coaxing, I went back, dropped out again, just to be sure. And that's when I took some temp jobs here. Um, and then, so this would have been... Sort of about twenty five years ago or so. So oh, okay. there was a bit of a, a bit of a depression recession kicking in, and the temp jobs I'd been doing dried up. After the agency I was with just couldn't place me for a few weeks with anything, and I just packed up and headed west. Stayed there for a couple of years just to figure yourself out, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I would say that just for fun. I mean, I think the realistic. I was I was just looking to yeah explore a bit, and and there was no work. Right. And uh, and I knew, you know, my friend Neil had moved out there a little while earlier and some of my other friends had moved out there. So I knew people there already. It didn't seem like uh, such a crazy idea to try that. So how did you meet Neil originally? Like he was originally from Toronto, right? Well, Neil and I both had two passions. God, I hope he doesn't get in trouble. Okay. Uh, nah, he's, he's a big boy now. But yeah, um, the comic books was one of them. And then, you know, smoking drugs was the other one. Okay. It might have been actually we discovered a mutual affectation for comic books that we shared over a joint or a drum circle or something. I'm not even sure. Right. Um, now that you, now that you asked me that, I don't exactly recall. Were you in high school? Like what yeah. age were you around? Yeah. Yeah. We became friends uh, around high school. We didn't go to the same high school though. So that certainly wasn't it. Okay. Okay. Cool. So maybe your, maybe your friends or your, or your parents were mutual friends or no, no, that no? wasn't it. I'm sure of that. Okay. Um, you know, I'm going to put that on the back burner in my brain. Okay, cool. Maybe it'll pop up like that. Totally. Collection I forgot about buying. Awesome. So, so you get, you get hooked up with Neil, right? And you guys, he told me that you guys were like roommates for a while, right? Yeah. Well, in Toronto, him and his cousin rented an apartment at Young and Eglinton. Okay. Uh, used to be above where that pizza pizza is there, but now it's a two story pizza pizza. But at the time, they had this neat little, almost invisible mirrored door. You could you could walk into Pizza Pizza, but to the right of that, at right angles, was a wall with a mirror. It actually was a door, wow. and it was it was the most awesome party pad for you know young men our age. Yeah, because it's like the secret the secret door and stuff. Right, and it's right above young. I mean, sometimes we just you know party around upstairs, and then we wander down to Young Street in the middle of the night with a hacky sack and just start a random hacky sack circle right on Young Street, say. That's you know, awesome. you got to go back in time. A lot of a lot of us were dirty little hippie children, kind right. of. Right, and like, he, he was like a big deadhead. Deadhead. He That's still what is. Was the, great, one, right? the Grateful Dead was was kind of, you know, a, a cultural nexus. So you Were know. you also into, into the dead? Oh, yeah, yeah. I spent some time with Guatemala. I, I still like Guatemalan-style clothing, you know, just right. that cotton with the patterns. And, and hacky sacking is a lot of fun. I don't see too much of that anymore. But Sometimes if you go to, like... If you go to the parks around here, you can see like slacklining and, and stuff like that. Or like Trinity Bellwoods, there might be a little hacky. What is slacklining? It's like basically like tightrope walking, but it's like lower. So they, so it's like lower to the ground and you try to walk across this looser 
tightrope type of thing. It's not as so taut. Pe- people go to the park to tow the line? Apparently. I'm, I'm lost on that <laughs> in concept. In a way, in a way, <laughs> in a way. So that's cool. So you were like hanging out, just doing stuff. And then what happened to you in Vancouver? What were some of the experiences you had when you went out to Vancouver? Well, I, I, I did, um, I sold some t-shirts for a while on Wreck Beach. That was a lot of fun. And Wreck Beach is like the nude beach in yeah, Vancouver. Like, for those well, who, clothing optional, I clothing think. Clothing optional, okay. Yeah, right at the, right at the end of the, the spit, I guess, right? There's a university campus there, and then you keep going all the way yeah, around. UBC, and then, yeah, UBC, yeah. and then you're, you go down a whole bunch of stairs onto the beach, and then you may or may not wear your clothes. It's entirely, I, I, I tended not to strip down naked. I was working, and, and I burn real easy. So I, I sold T-shirts on the beach, and then typically I made enough to – to drink enough beer to get heat stroke and uh, and then have to leave. Nice, cool. Yeah, that was awesome fun though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. You just get to like hang out and be that guy on the beach. My my dad, I think, had a shirt from Wreck Beach back in the day, but when I was a kid, I had no idea. Like, oh, and did it say Free Canada with a Canadian flag with a hemp leaf in the no, middle? No, I don't think so. I think it just had like a Wreck Beach sort of logo. Yeah, I don't know if they had was... like a an official like park logo or whatever, but I, I remember it saw. was purple, sort of like the one that you're wearing. <laughs> the laundry pile kicked up a random treasure here. Zane. Yeah. Wonder twin. <laughs> nice, nice. I remember Neil told me a story of you guys, like you like dropped acid and like were like staring at the honest ed sign for like for hours. He told me that that was one of the stories that he told me one time. I mean, I don't have any trouble believing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And honest ed is like going away. So that's sort of it's sort of its own little, its own little piece. Yeah, of Yeah, we're in good company, I guess, for that. Yeah, like because we're 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 leaving the downtown. Right, right. Which is why I wanted to get you in here. But before that, I want to get to what made you go from being a fan of comics to someone who wanted to get into the comic book business. I don't know that I actually made a firm decision anywhere along the way. I think I just started collecting comics. Back then, it was a little easier to... There were, there were more comic book shows, and there were less sort of high-intensity uh, media clusters of famous people and lines and autographs. Yes. So you, you could just get a table and bring your collection. And that's, so that's sort of what I did. I, I started doing... Uh, I don't know. You, do you know Jim Whaley? He, he was one of the original convention organizers. Yeah, yeah. He's part of... I think they the, he's part of like the, the TM Maple uh, fan... Uh, Hall of Fame. He's still, yeah, he's still the, involved. The Joe Schuster yeah. Awards and stuff. Right, right, that's right. He, right. He's involved with the Schuster Awards now, where he was last I looked. Right, right, exactly. So he was running these shows. Um, and so I just became a regular attendee. You know, I'd take one or two booths and, you know, set up in the, in the halls and, and so, you know, it, it, I guess it kind of was an outgrowth of, of delivering newspapers, maybe even, you know, I just sort of, got into the habit of selling paper and but for you was it less about the comics and the reading of them and more about the business and trying to make money like any way you could kind of thing no i often tell people if i was i have other passions right and yeah i could make a lot more money selling drugs right right <laughs> selling comic books typically i mean the, yeah. there are risks inherent in the one that aren't in the other and so no it is more of a i mean it, comics are kind of a passion i really do like them you know, not necessarily all the forms they take now, but there's always something interesting now that you can find if you're if you're looking. And the, the medium is is unique. You know, we've probably both read Understanding Comics. You know, right. there's there's all kinds of things going on there that you don't see. It's a bit like using your computer. You know, the, the stuff you see on the screen, but behind that, all these things are happening to make it that way. You don't even really think about. And, and you know, so when you're reading a comic, you're, you're filling in all these details 
in and around the panels. Um, so it's kind of like it's a little bit like magic. It's not it's not the same as television or movies or, or reading a book. Even There's, it's it's its own weird thing. Yeah, because you have to, as Scott McCloud uh, so eloquently put it in Understanding Comics, you sort of have to imagine the space between the panels. Well, you're filling in all kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, you, you know, yeah. movies don't let you do that. Mm-hmm. And movies fill it all in for you, right? It's yeah. it's, di- it's very passive. Do you prefer active media or like pa- or passive media? You, you know what? I'll be honest. Sometimes I even get lost on the on, on the differences. You know, like you start reading McLuhan and he talks about how some of these things are one way or the other, and I, it seems the opposite to me at times. You know? Right. I mean, I'm I'm not finding I have as much time to read as many comics. Right. You know, and I'm. You know, a lot of it, I guess in anything like that, a lot of it after a while, it's just iterative. You know, you've, you've read this already. Mm-hmm. Somebody's just dusted it off and put a new skin on it. Do you have, what are your issues with the industry now? Like you mentioned how you don't, you don't really like some of the stuff that happens now, but I mean, you could always find like great stuff, but what are some of the, the problems that you have with the way things are going now? I guess it, it seems to me a bit like the newer comic. You know, Marvel has survived by making movies, and this has popularized comic books, mostly superhero comic books, to a degree. They're they're really making comic book movies rather than movies about comic books now, right? If you know what I mean. Like the the the, the comics used to drive the movie. Now the movies are driving the comic books. Mm-hmm. I find a lot of them just hard to even flip through like it's almost it seems to me like a lot of the comics the big you know like marvel and dc are publishing and i mean i'm sure this isn't entirely fair to everything they do but a lot of it it strikes me is is it's just so they can have another movie right it's just like it's like when they when you you get your meal at a restaurant and then they sprinkle some icing sugar on it and 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 squirt some patterns in caramel on top and that's your comic book to the movie, right? Right. And you can tell that they're doing it in terms of, like, the comics are serving the movies because it's the characters that they don't have the movie rights to that get downplayed more in the comics. Like, right. Like, the X-Men aren't as prominent in the Marvel Universe as they once were in the comic books because they can't turn whatever they produce into a movie because right. they don't have the rights, Fox I heard that. Those rights yeah. or whatever, you know what I mean? So you can tell that it's sort of the comics are sort of serving the movies. But in a way it's sort of understandable because less people I guess are re- it's harder to make money off of off of comics now, isn't it? Like we we shifted quite a while ago to selling graphic novels. Right. Just again because more about the story, you know, collecting is one thing about comics. You know, people people enjoy them for different reasons. Some people want to assemble a run, mm-hmm. you know, and complete them all. Some people just like the character. Some people, you know, are investing, say. So when we, we switch to graphic novels away from comics, because I just, there's a trap in a way, you know, you're trying to do these monthly serialized stories and, and uh, over time, they, they just take up so much room and then people are either missing one issue and they can't get the whole story. Or one of those issues has got the first appearance of Spandex Man. It's now worth $50. So some poor guy who's just reading the comic book, you know, he missed that issue. You know, and now it's on the wall for 50 bucks. Right, right. You could buy like three graphic novels for that money. So he just kind of strategically lowered the... Uh, almost to, you know, barely anything at one of the stores and focused on the graphic novel, keeping the, the stories in in uh, in stock 
um, rather than just the chapters. And I think that's a lot. That's like where a lot of comic shops are going. Is it's mostly graphic novels, you know, and maybe like a a curated selection of a few comics. And I mean, for me, I noticed that your shop is more a lot into games and hobbies and stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? Yeah, that that was. We started with comic books almost entirely, and magic cards were just. You know, when I got in in 94, Magic Cards had just sort of landed recently. They were they were just taking off. Back when I started, Marvel had just taken over Heroes World Distribution. And What's that? That was a defunct distributor that Marvel... They bought a distributor and turned it into their exclusive Marvel Comics distribution network. Okay. They parted ways from Diamond and uh, and, and did their own thing. Okay. To, to very bad effect. I mean, it was really poorly executed plan. It didn't last that long. Marvel folded again. That was almost the end for a lot of comic stores, actually, during that period. Magic cards kind of... Just about anybody, you know, 95% of comic stores that are around today that were around then owe their survival to magic cards. Wow. And so that's how you survived, basically? I, yeah. I mean, it really gave us a new growth. And I found it really fascinating. You know, I deliberately ignored it for a while, but then when I caught on, I... Um, friend of mine that had nothing to do with any of these things was telling me he was playing magic cards and i'd been telling all the people that i knew that knew i'd love it they're always telling me you're gonna love this game it's like dungeons and dragons with cards and da, 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 da. and i said yeah i'm sure i would but i don't have time i don't want to get hooked on this cardboard crack as people were calling it so i just not interested but then later the, another friend of mine who never had anything to do with that stuff he was playing it as well and he invited me over to play and i'm like fine you know what if you're playing this too i'm gonna check it out and then that's kind of the rest was history then you got deep into it yeah yeah i got pretty deep into it so how like how deep are we talking like i i guess i mean in some ways i'm a bit of a collector okay so you know the fact that there were all these interesting cards and they weren't all easy to find and and uh there's already a whole kind of culture of gaming and collecting and trading going on around the cards that I plugged into and and, right. and it just naturally like, this is what people were really into and they were expecting to find it in comic stores primarily and it just kind of you know it's like a, it was a rising tide you know it kind of lifted all boats but I kind of figured that this was a good you know start paddling as well right I mean this this there's something to it and uh, and then also again around that time Marvel was up with all this nonsense it's a funny thing one of the things that Heroes World Distribution did was they told every account that they owed about a thousand dollars I don't know if they had a random number generator sometimes it was 800 sometimes it was 1200 but every single account and I talked to a bunch of other store owners at the time and they were all having this problem reconciling what they thought they owed to Heroes World and what Heroes World said they owed to them and it really did seem their strategy was to just pad everybody's bill and tell them well you got to pay us because we're Marvel you're not going to survive without Marvel Comics, so you're going to have to pay this, so pay this wh- bill. So why was there such a large bill? Like, what did what was their their argument? I, well, they didn't have any good arguments because when I discussed it with them, I, I was one of the people that actually I think I owed them about four hundred dollars when they told me it was about twelve or thirteen hundred. And that's just because stuff that you couldn't sell, or well, I was you know we get the bill every week, right? You know, we pay the bill every week, or or you know you have maybe thirty days. I don't even remember what the terms were. I mean, they weren't very generous, but I, I had enough terms that I could have a little bit hanging over. So I did owe them a few hundred dollars. But most people were just paying them. That was a lot more money back then, you know, to be owing a supplier. 
you know, the store is just like, it was the size of the studio we're in. Basically, if uh, it's at 5 Walton Street, you know, it's a nail salon now. It's uh, 15 by 20 feet, maybe, or something right. like that. It's just tiny. So I just, I just told them, I'm, I don't know where you got this number from. I know I owe you money, about $400. Where do you get 1200 So then they went away and called me back. And then, you know, it was actually, oh, it's, it's actually, we were wrong. It's a thousand and something. I'm like, well, that's actually still way off what I know I owe you. And I called some more people. They were all having baffling problems with Heroes World's, you know, info. In, yeah, with their math. I don't know why. It wasn't hard for me to understand what was happening, but a lot of people just couldn't believe it. And they were paying them because, I guess correctly, Heroes World calculated you weren't going to, you were just going to pay up so you keep getting your Marvel comics. Which you needed because people liked Marvel comics. Right. Yeah, yeah they were the big you know, company. Right. And back then we're talking like when they're selling like millions of X-Men and like 93-ish, right? Like Yeah, the X-Men number one yeah. recently. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it, was, it was a big, it was going to get worse, but it was, it was still good then. Right. I called one retailer I used to work for and he had terms with them cash on the barrel head for anything. So he couldn't get his comics every week unless he paid for them in cash up front. Wow. So he did. He'd been paying. They said he owed them money. So how is it even possible right. <laughs> for the guy who's paying cash up front and receiving his books to somehow owe them money? So so how did you, because you said you, you weren't going to pay them. You figured out what they were doing. What were they doing, in your opinion? They were stealing. Okay, cool. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt about it. Okay. They're fraudulently so, invoicing people. Right, right. So then, so then how did you settle it? How did you get around it? How did you... Um, did you win? Well, yeah. I'm still here. They're not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people wish me well, because I just... I, what's our language like? Is this all It's age? fine, yeah. And, yeah say I just, whatever you I want. told them to get fucked, basically. <laughs> right. I think my exact <laughs> words were, at the end of it all, finally, they said, well, if you don't pay us this arbitrary number, we've decided... You know, we were nice to you. You know, we, we said you owed us 1200 and now we're saying it's only 1000 and you still won't pay it, and so we're going to have to hold your books. So you just stopped taking their calls and, like, responded? No. to their emails? No, or? but at the point that they said, you know, one of the reps said, we're going to hold your books if you don't pay us this money. Right. And I'd been telling him, look, I'll, I'll happily pay you the money I owe you. I'm not paying you more than that just because you said you're going to, you know, forget it. And then they said, well, we're going to have to hold your books then. And I said, well, I hope your arms get tired. And I hung up. <laughs> that was, And then, you know, there was like a little, there was about a week or two of people, you know, offering me their consolation and condolences. You know, I'm really sorry you're going to be out of business now. What are, what are customers doing at this point? Like, what? how are you explaining this to customers? Well, like, I'm not really at this okay. point because, okay. you know, but now that it's, now that I've had this phone call where I'm like, whatever, hang up. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not paying extortion to have Marvel Comics yeah, in my store. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but, not but the Marvel Comics are not going to be in your store and customers are going to wonder what happened to the Marvel Comics. So what did you, what did you say to them? We, what we did was we just said, okay, we're just ordering Marvel Comics to file. So if you collect Marvel and you've got a file with us, you know, on your reserve list is X-Men. We'll get you your X-Men. Okay. Uh, we're not putting it on the shelf. Okay. Just forget it. It's garbage anyway. Just forget it. And then I just I just went to see other retailers who were ordering plenty of comics. And I just picked the few that we really needed for our regular customers. And I just, wholes I just you know, paid a little bit more. Yeah, I didn't look back. I just washed my hands of Heroes World. And then it didn't take them too long to go out of business after that. So then, so like basically you got around it 
and they you didn't pay them and then no, eventually I, they got out of business I, in fact i think i didn't even pay them the money i did owe them at that <laughs> yeah, point right. like screw you guys <laughs> right, exactly wow you're like a champion that's awesome but it's quite the introduction to the comic business because this is like right when you're getting into it right like you said 94 right and right. yeah it wasn't long after that i thought we were getting right back out again maybe right, right exactly so give me and this is a story i've always wanted to know how did like Harry Tranchel start? How did you get into the comic book business? Why did you get into the comic book business? Like getting into the comic book business is risky now. It's it's much riskier now. Right, right. So so people say, what do you you know? What should I want to open a comic store? What should I do? And I I would say, don't. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> so so I want to know like the story of Harry Tranchela. Was it always called Harry Tarantula? Yeah, it was there already. Um, okay. It was a couple of guys that went to Earl Haig a year ahead of me. I didn't realize this at the time. It's kind of funny, actually. Okay. Gnome was one of the two guys that opened the store. I think... I think um, Gnome who? Gnome Rosen and, and Stephen Greenfield. Okay. Gnome's a comic himself now. I, th- I always find that amusing. Comedian. He, yeah, yeah. But right. he's a comic. Right. He right. used to sell comics. Now he is now one. He is and just one. It's funny, right? Exactly. Okay. Living in New York and amusing people occasionally. Uh, so what were we talking about? You said that Noam Rosen and Stephen Greenfield were like a year ahead of you at Earl Hag. I didn't know them at all. They okay. they got some kind of business loan, like a, a, a startup, like seed capital from some kind of, you know, Ontario or, or Canadian federal program for a small business starting up. Rented that little tiny place on Walton Street and bought and sold comics and sports cards for a couple of years and magic cards when it when it kicked in. And then they they bought one. I think what happened was they bought a big collection, a good, a good find, you know, from somebody that was a customer, and sold all the valuable books fairly quickly. <clears throat> Had the rest left over, made their made their money, and then they looked at it and they went, "God, you know, we can pay stuff off." And I think they were feeling a little run down after a couple of years that they've been doing it. Right. When did they start? I th- it was in spring of ninety two, I think. Okay. So they'd just been doing it a little over two years, and they'd had enough. I had been in Vancouver. One of the things I was looking at was opening a store out there. I had heard... Well, I used to work um, at Paradise Comics at uh, Young and Lawrence. Yeah. Um, The owner now was a customer then. And so at one point, I was looking at buying Paradise Comics. But that didn't work out. But I came back from Vancouver to look at that deal. And then while I was here, I just heard somewhere, I don't remember where, that Gnome from Earl Haig was selling a comic store downtown, Harry Tarantula, which I... You know, and I thought it was a different gnome. I knew a different gnome at Earl Haig. I didn't oh. know. I didn't know. I had no idea he had a comic store, but I've been out of town for a couple of years. So I got a phone number and I called it and, and gnome answered and I said, Hey, gnome. Yeah. He says, it's Leon. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? We talked for a little while thinking we knew each other. <laughs> and then right. we realized we didn't, but we still managed to close a deal for the store. So yeah, my parents kind of co-signed, uh, a loan with the bank to pay for the, you know, it was, I mean, at the time it was like, I don't know what did I pay them? Something like $30,000, I think for the business and the stuff that was in it. And this little tiny. Right. And then you just paid them back on like a monthly basis. Right. From, from right. Whatever profit or money you made from the store. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just paid down the loan over a few years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and then we moved around the corner from Walton street to, it's on the same block, but the side street is Walton and the main street is young. So, or the store then moved to 354 Young Street um, from 5 Walton. Right, where it is now. Where it is now. And then we've sent spores out from there. You know, about 10 years ago, it started to become obvious that the the, the days of that building were numbered. Because I mean, you live there, right? 
Yeah, yeah. No, I've been living there for 20 years now. Have you always lived there? Was that always part of the deal? When no, you the store the dropped me in North York, but okay. later I got to that uh-huh. that address. So eventually, like you had your own place, but then you're like, it's just easier to live above my comic shop but yeah actually you know what it, it worked in state like originally the five walton store the little tiny cubby hole there was a it was an upstairs floor same landlord they had a tenant up there who was a limousine driver fantasy limousine okay really <laughs> there was an interesting guy he was a, he was iranian but he managed to pass for italian so his name was ali but he, he used tony because he really did kind of look and act like he totally passed as Italian. And uh, so he was a limousine driver, but he was having some problems and he had a lot of rent to pay up there. And so they said, you know, I was I split the rent with him briefly above there uh, before I moved around the corner. And then, um, yeah, I just moved into the upstairs of the because 354 Young has a, the stores on the second floor and then there's a third floor above it as well. Um, so it just seemed like the natural thing to do because I'd, uh, you know, commuting to North York and back from from my parents' house at the beginning of this whole enterprise was yeah, it was a lot of work, right? You're working all you're working long days and then you're traveling an hour or two and fro and so I really was looking for a place to live downtown, which I finally found. But now I don't think I want to do that anymore. So where are we now? I mean we we've sort of brought it up to okay, you're at three fifty four the store's doing okay. I mean you've you've you even expanded for a while. Like you you had the uh comic stop and Toy Cave, which then became Harry Tarantula West, right? Right. And then you also had the second store, which is up in North North York, I guess? Yeah, Young and Steel's is the... Okay, so tell me a little bit about the, the expansion, because, I mean, you must have been doing well enough to expand at that point. Yeah, I mean, one of my my models, I guess, is, you know, I just keep accumulating more stuff. You know, a lot of our profit is in product over the years, which which is good in many ways, but also not good. You know, a lot of businesses. What kind of product? Well, that's just it. All kinds. You know, old comic books. You know, we've got, when we used to sell comics, we've got mountains of them. That's actually coming around again now. All these People years are like, going back to, yeah, for back issues. Right. Uh, when we when we switched to graphic novels from new issues almost 20 years ago, maybe now, coming like 15 years ago, say, you know, we just kind of pushed them further and back into the corners, into a warehouse, out of sight, out of mind. Uh, fewer people looking for them. Even right, because I came into your store, and this was, like, I moved to Toronto in 2003, and when I came to your store, there were, like, two comic racks of, like, single issues, and then there was mostly graphic novels, and then it was mostly wall-to-wall, like, games, and then yeah. and then magic cards at the front under the under the glass and that sort of thing. So I didn't see a lot of comics. Like at first I was like, I was like comic shop. Like there doesn't seem to be a lot of comics. Here. Nope. Of course you took care of me because I had a file with you and you got my stuff that you I. You got the new ones in. Right. If you were looking to look back in time, we didn't have much. Right, right. Exactly. So that decision was made because comics weren't, weren't selling as well as like the games and the other, and the graphic novels and the other things. Yeah, partly. And I also found, you know, it's a lot of work to get. It's 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 a lot of discouraging work keeping files because you know typically, you know, life gets faster and faster. So people set up a file and then they forget about it. Right. That happened to me a yeah. bunch of times. Right. Or you move away and you're not connected to the store as much, or it's harder for you to get to the store. And 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 so there's so many moving parts to it. And I I honestly loathe the job of 
pulling files every week and uh, keeping them organized. And it just always just drove me nuts. You know, I was quick to farm that out as soon as I had somebody else to, to deal with it. But and who, who, how did you farm it out? Oh, I just had, you know, eventually we had help. So right. I, you had a bunch of people. Somebody else's job to deal okay. with that now. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's not rocket science. It's not really hard. It's just kind of a little bit tedious and you got to be precise and diligent with it, which is something that not a lot of customers feel inclined to do. So, you know, between the people that forget all about them and then it's not so much a problem now, but back then there was a lot of speculation going on in the market. So people would be like, oh, I got to get this and this and this and this and this. Back then being what? Like the the 90s? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, uh, yeah, mid to late 90s. Okay. Early 2000. And people would order things hoping that it would go up in value. Mm -hmm. And then they would forget about it until it did go up in value. And then they'd want to come in and just buy the ones that had gone up in value out of the file of things they'd asked for. They'd want me to take the risk of buying the books up front and then try to hold us to the arrangement to sell them at the price we agreed on, but just cherry pick the good stuff out. Right. So you'd have a file and you'd have annoying customers who'd be like, okay, I'll take this, I'll take this, I'll take this. And I'll leave this, even though I've committed right, to right. these books. And they would they be honest about it. So, like, like if I'm there, okay. I'm going to be like, you know, why don't you just take all the books? Or how about this? You want these ones and you're going to get these ones later? I think maybe I'd feel more comfortable if you took these ones now. And then later on when you come back, you can take the ones that have gone up in value. Right. But my staff aren't always on it. They're just trying to be helpful, right? So, and they don't so they really just, know who's who. Right. And so, they're getting taken advantage of by these crooked players in the market right so it, it was after a while i just said you know i don't wash my hands of this crap i don't well, need why it. didn't you why didn't you disclose files on people or like or well, like make the rules of getting a file more well, we did, but somebody's got to be on top of it all the time okay and, and maintain it so you know we start trying to take deposits you know but then you know sometimes people don't want to do that then so we don't make a file for them then like it's, now it's better you know we're actually starting to work that system out a little more because now that we're moving the downtown store out of downtown, I think pretty much we're just not going to be there um, after about midpoint next year. We want to be more precise about what we're ordering in the meantime. Okay. Okay. So I kind of got you off track a little bit because I started by saying, tell me about your expansion and how you got the other stores. Okay, right, right. And then we got into like the whole file situation. So let's go back to that. How did you expand? You obviously were selling basically everything but comics and maybe some maybe some files and that sort of thing right yeah um and then i guess it was in 2005 maybe one of the guys working with me at the time he kind of wanted to do his you know his dream was to open his own store and uh so he'd been working with me for a few years you know what it was i think it was my girlfriend at the time uh julie had a friend who had a store okay that was for sale at one point, she's like, oh, my friend Tony's selling his store. Not the same Tony that was the limo driver. Okay. Whose name was actually Ali, a different Tony. And uh, long story, we ended up taking over mainly for this guy that worked at the store to, to sort of level up. Because you liked him, right? And you wanted to sort of mentor him or like um, what? Yeah, well, yeah. And, and honestly, like. Because you were taking a big risk just to give a guy a store and fulfill his dream. Well, he was paying into it. Like, okay. it, it, it wasn't like, yeah, I didn't just, you know, give him a store, <laughs> right? I mean, it was a little beyond me to do that. But um, he was interested. We could work together to to make this deal happen. Right. I'm trying to remember exactly how. He, anyway, he got tired of it. Long story short. That was when we changed it from the comic post and Toy Cave to the comic stop. 
and, and toy, toy cave. cave. And then after after a couple of years, he just he kind of said, you know, I, I it's too much, you know, talking with the wife, and I, I I just don't want to do it anymore. What's what is the thing that is tiring for people? And you don't have to talk about like specifically what was tiring to him, but what is the thing that makes people want to get out of the comic book business? My feeling is. It's it's pretty much it's probably the same with just about everything right now. You know, you don't need a comic book. Anything you don't need, there's a lot of stresses in the, you know, it's just not getting any easier, I guess, is the bottom line. Like, it used to be you could work hard and make things happen. You know, you'd, you'd, you'd have enough business. People around had enough money. There was enough interest. They'd buy things. But now, you know, everything that you absolutely need keeps getting more expensive. And everything you don't isn't. Right. So... The exception may be paper, but like toys and games and comics, these things are not going up the same way that your tuition is, that your gas is, that your food, clothing, all of these things. Right. If it's essential, you're paying more now than you were 20 years ago. So your discretionary income gets squeezed out more and more and more. Right. And and the distribution and the retail of things is, is a lot of it's being automated. I mean, I could probably draw a list all day of there's like a little million little paper cuts all working kind of against the industry that we're in you know right some of them are cardboard cuts even you know things like amazon online stuff mm-hmm. um the, the the rents that you have to pay to have a, a storefront far exceed the rents you have to pay for a warehouse somewhere to, to ship from right and uh customer service is another thing that you know you got to pay to provide customer service you got to pay staff to to offer it i don't know how many people appreciate it anymore People my age do, but like some of the youngsters, even people in their 30s coming in, you know, we, we, we offer them customer service just on, on instinct. Um, and they seem confused. Why are you talking to me? You make me take my earbuds out. Right. Right. And I'm just thinking to myself, my God, you know, <laughs> what, what are we doing here? So do you feel like as a person who owns a comic shop, do you feel like you're sort of on the wrong side of history in the sense of like, it's it's an old school way of doing things? Like in a way, having a storefront. A little bit, a little bit yeah. yeah. Offering customer services. It, it, it's analog. It's very yeah. analog. And we're living in a digital age now, it seems like. Right. I have an ever increasing number of Grandpa Simpson moments. I'm only in my 40s. I shouldn't be having Grandpa Simpson moments, but they did change what it is. I'm not with it anymore. Right. <laughs> so, cool. But it's your house, too. So, like, it's where you live. Right. So, does that change things? Like, you're one of the only people that I've had in here that also lives in the comic shop that they well, run. actually they live run. in it. I no, live I know. Above it, but, but, yeah, but, you know, it's the same place, right? It's so always been easy the to... The success of the... Like, paying the rent for the store, it's... it's it affects your living stuff oh, sure. more yeah, directly no. than it would generally, right? Yeah. I mean, if, at the time, it was a great cost saving, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it still is, but it also, you know, it makes it hard to kind of separate things sometimes you know it can be a bit much right so mm-hmm. but then you did you did like the comics office toy cave even though he got out of it because he was tired and i guess it's stressful right if you have to you have bottom lines that you have to make and you're not making them i guess or yeah well i mean you either pay the bills or you know you you, you experience problems from not paying the bills right right and, and then i guess that's what kind of what he was experiencing yeah it was just too much work for not enough return he couldn't see the i mean i i honestly think there was there were some mistakes in the way, like, I thought the thing to do was to make a Harry Tarantula out there. Harry Tarantula West. Right. He wanted his own thing, separately branded, his things. So right. Like, oh, well, I can understand that. So, okay, we'll do it that way. 
it it didn't work out. And then when we changed it to Harry Tarantula West, people knew the name already. Mm-hmm. You know, we we harmonized our pricing and we did more of the same things, and that seemed to work out. The same things, product lines, you okay. know, and and um, deals, you know, like specials or promotions. So you, so you could get the same specials at one store that you could get at the other store, right? Basically, right. I mean, it's you real. I mean, the same as they do any big, right, or small chain where they say, you know, you can get your free coffee at a certain unnamed mass right. restaurant for the month <laughs> of whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd feel a little chuffed if you went to one and they didn't want to give you a free coffee. <laughs> yeah, right? like, exactly. well, what the hell's wrong with you guys? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why are you so special? Exactly. So doing that, did that help the business? I think it did. And then somebody else that worked for me wanted to have a go at it. And he wasn't averse to using the name. So after I took it back over, turned it into Harry Tarantula, I think that was 2008, I think. Another one of the guys that worked downtown wanted to have a run at it. So he borrowed some money from his family and uh, I basically just sold him a store full of inventory and then let him license the name Harry Tarantula West with certain conditions. Right. So you get money for his use of the name. Right. We get a small percentage of their monthly sales every month right. for using the name. And, mm-hmm. and they can do pretty much, you know, whatever they like, as long as it sort of fits into the, you know, when we offer a special, say free coffee or whatever it is, right. then they're doing that too. But sadly, that was that was not to last either. He He kind of burned out. On some, I think it was pretty silly stuff. Actually, a lot of it, it wasn't necessary. And I'd even pointed out what was going wrong. <laughs> Said you can fix this a couple of times, and and uh, I guess he didn't want to or whatever. But eventually, I just had to say, you know, we're gonna stop letting you use the name because you're pooping all over it. Right. <laughs> when, so when we advertise a special and people come into that location and you tell them, oh no, no, that doesn't apply. You came all the way here and we false advertised using my name. You know, oh, yeah, it wasn't crazy. It wasn't so, good. So you wanted to harmonize everything, and that worked for a while. But then when he took over, he it worked for a while. Kind of wanted to do his own thing and didn't honor some of the specials. That- yeah, I mean, the, the the most egregious thing was he just didn't use the proper pricing formula. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that when we offered the discounts we were offering, it was too much. But the key was to use the proper pricing formula. So I point, I said, "Oh, your prices are wrong, man. You're 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 too low." You know, when we offer the discounts we're offering, you need to have your price here because now you're, you know, he's complaining how he's not making any money or he's losing money in this department. And so I came in to see what was going on and I explained, you you know, you're selling this for $2 cheaper than it should be, right? You put that $2 on there. Now you're in business. What was his reasoning for selling it cheaper? I don't even know. I think originally it was just a mistake. He, He remembered things from the way we'd been doing things uh, originally. And got them muddled in his head. Okay. Um, yeah, it's probably a little much to get into. But anyway, right. he, he screwed it up. I pointed it out to him. A month later, I went back. I pointed it out to him again. I said, you still haven't fixed your prices. Mm-hmm. Like, quit complaining about this and that and the other if you haven't even, like, take the afternoon and reprice it all. Right. So, it might have been just laziness or he forgot to. Or, uh, couldn't or, have. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. what I can't pretend to know. Yeah. All, all I do know is that I, I didn't even believe a woman called me and, and complained that she'd been rebuffed for expecting the 
the discounts that we gave on it. On Tuesday, we gave a better discount than other days. Right. So she'd waited till then. That was the idea, right? People would wait till Tuesday and then come in on Tuesday for the best deal going. Right. Because Tuesday is like the end of the week in the comic shop world. Yeah, that's right. Right. Because Wednesday is new comic day. Right. So Tuesday. Slow day. Normally, it's a slow day. Mm -hmm. But to get more people into the store, you offer these discounts. Right. Unless you're telling people no but that doesn't apply here you know so I, we're literally false advertising right that's what i'm doing you yeah. know he's doing because he's trying to make up for the pricing mistakes that he's making uh, right he's trying to mitigate the damage right. instead of just fixing the prices right. like he should have right so i just said you know what do whatever you like that's what you're doing anyway but just don't call it harry tarantula just we're taking the sign down and you can you know stop paying me the licensing fee and whatever just do just stop making me look like an ass. Right. So what so what happened? Like when was this? Um when was this now? This was a few years ago. And they briefly had another stint. They changed the name. This was the the the, the one in the junction at Dundas and Keel. Okay. So they changed the name briefly and then a, a few months later he just folded. And it's the same store that was the Comic Stop and Toy Cave. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it had it had four names in its history. Right. It went from Comic Post and Toy Cave to Comic Stop and Toy Cave to Harry Tarantula West to I think it was Raven Warrior Games. Okay. Briefly and then, and then now it's a men's clothing store there. Right. Okay. So <laughs> but then you but you do have another location up north, right? Right, at Young and Steel's. That's going to be the main store moving from here forward. So how did that happen? What, Like, when you got out of the Tomic Comic Stop and Toy Cave, Harry Trans the West thing, did no, you No, we were still there. We, did that. we had three going at once. Oh, at one okay. But the, the one of the Young and Steel's, is that's kind of weird. I used to play uh, video games as a kid up there. What used to be, uh, I think it was Studio Billiards, right across from Centerpoint Mall in the basement there for the longest time, there was a big pool hall there. Mm -hmm. And then the smoking bylaws changed and that killed the pool hall. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to go to a pool hall if you can't smoke. Right. Makes no sense. But it's actually, it's the same landlord. They were fishing around for something to do with it once it was vacated and they'd mentioned it to me a few times and I was originally I was not interested because like what am I it's you know it's it's a basement it's kind of cramped for the longest time we're going to have people coming in looking for the pool hall right uh, that, that's just a totally opposite crowd really yeah, you know what I mean crowd, yeah, yeah totally different crowd but eventually I guess maybe a year passed or something and then um, we had issues of where do we put all this stuff that we keep accumulating in just inventory <laughs> right so I, I ended up making a sort of a month by month deal with the landlord to store things up there for a while just mm -hmm. so we could put them somewhere. So it became like our warehouse. And then, uh, and there was a comic store. There was the wizard of Thornhill. They were in center point for a while. And then they moved across the street to the same building upstairs. So there was already a tenant in that building selling comics. You know, we were paying less for the whole basement than that guy was paying for the store upstairs that he was renting. Wow. But again, he had a lease. We had a month by month. Like, they were just like, well, we'll take this money every month until we find something better, and then you can get out of there. Right. So, you know, it was just a solution for a while, and then we sort of piled more and more things in there. And then uh, we piled more things in there. And then the guy upstairs, the the Wizard of Thornhill or whatever it was at the time, he, they folded. So now there wasn't another comic store in the building. And uh, I think what we started doing at first was we opened it up quarterly we had like we, we called it bargain basement convention we opened up the the location and ran it like uh one of those old school comic shows so we rented tables to other people so it was almost like a hairy tarantula outlet 
Yeah. Where, where it's like all your overstock or your surplus right. or whatever go, right. goes there. And, and then you do like these deep discount sales. Yeah, or just find stuff we haven't been able to show you forever. You know, right. This stuff is on sale. This stuff is just available again. Right, right, right. It's actually gone up since we buried it here, right? <laughs> we did that a few times. And then we, and then I think we shifted it up to month, doing it monthly for a little while. I think actually the, the guy was still open at that point that was running the Wizard of Thornhill. Because I remember, actually, we, we, we had to okay with it. I talked to him first. I'm like, if we do this, are you going to be okay with it? And then I'll talk to the landlord, tell them you're okay with it. I'll give you a table, come down and be there right. too. And, right? and part of the reason you had to do it like a convention was because you didn't want to step on his toes. Right. Right. If you run it like a comic store, you're competing with him. Right, exactly. But if you're running it like a convention, you're not competing in the same way. Yeah. And I mean, there, he would have had every reason to gripe too. I mean, you know, the, the landlord would have not been in a good position charging him all this rent for a comic store and then, you know, giving me the whole basement, you know, like, I don't know, he must have had like five or 600 square feet upstairs and we were like 5,000 downstairs. Right, right, yeah. Um, but eventually, you know, it became clear to me, we had, we had so much crap piled in there that I began to realize, you know, they do find a tenant for the place. What the fuck are we going to do? Like, where are we going to put all of this stuff, right? We're jamming it all in there. Where do we go from there? So um, when the guy closed up the, the wizard, I said, well, maybe we'll try putting another store up there. Okay. And, and I think also uh, uh, Daryl Carlson from Third Quadrant had recently been forced from his mccall street store where he'd been for a long time on queen just because the rents were going up well they were but i think the landlord actually they wanted they wanted to get everybody out so they could develop the thing kind of whatever it was charge more yeah. right so then he was so i told him you know i've got this place at young and steels for so i mean you can store some stuff there we'll work something out mm. and uh, he had a whole bunch of furniture mostly we'd been piling up there was inventory. And then, um, so Daryl moved a bunch of his furniture in there. And that's when we started going, you know, we could just kind of cobble together something. Daryl didn't have anywhere to, he, he did a brief stint at the black market and that didn't work out. So he had nowhere to go anyway. And uh, we had a bunch of stuff up there, but at the same time, like it's, it's tumbleweeds really. Like it's brand new. Nobody knows it's there. It's a huge store. And uh, you're going to pay somebody to be there all the time. And that quickly adds up right. if you're not selling much paying somebody to just one person you know it's definitely by far the biggest expense is wages yeah you know and even crappy wages are expensive yeah. <laughs> relative to you know how much you're making right when you're selling comics for three dollars you got to sell a lot or four dollars or five or whatever they are you got to sell a lot of them to, to pay this stuff yeah and so and then of course you got you know people are like getting them for 25 or 10 or 50 or however many cents digitally you know from the like you can buy your, your a lot of your publishers now will just send one to your phone. You can right. You can read it. I mean, so you're finding yourself at a crossroads a little bit right now. Now or then? Now. Well, so like both, but okay. <laughs> okay. here and so, then. So it's so I guess it started like sort of what is happening now is that you want to make that store the primary the primary store, right? right. Well, we're gonna have to we have to leave our our three fifty four uh, location. Okay, but but back then was sort of the i guess the the writing on the wall in terms of the beginnings like the seeds were being sown yeah i think we we kind of figured sooner or later even back then that the the days for i think it was in 2008 when there was the last crisis or economic crash or whatever yeah Yeah. that that saved us basically i think a lot of the money was moving in you know there's the amc mall down right at young and dundas right right that was a giant pit 
for almost a decade, I think, really. Like, right. it was just laying fallow. They dug a giant hole to build them all, and then the money ran out. Mm-hmm. And it was gone. And there was just a hoarded up pit for years. But... You know, if that hadn't happened, that pit would have borged its way north to where we were by then uh, long ago. So we had a reprieve, I guess, out of that. So we, we kind of started looking then. And so that, that looked like a good escape avenue. Meanwhile, the warehouse store, did it improve? Like, were you able to pay Daryl and, and the sales were happening? And- well, the, the, the deal we worked with Daryl was, and it was kind of necessary for a while. You know, he put his store in there as well mm-hmm. in one corner, which was kind of a propo because he was third quadrant and he was taking up, a, you know, a quadrant of our basement. Yeah, now, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, and the deal we worked out at the time was, you know, he he would be the guy there. Right. We had a bunch of our stuff piled up in there mm-hmm. and he had his stuff. So, you know, we basically, you know, he sold his stuff and then he sold our stuff. And we had it all departmentalized on the cash register. And then what we did was, you know, Daryl just made whatever he made. And then we paid him a commission percentage of the stuff that we sold, that he sold of ours while we weren't there. He got a percentage of. Nice. And then, so that was better for him than, you know, not selling anything anywhere. So that's how the store functioned. At the very beginning, yeah, when there were, you know, a few people a day maybe going in there. Right. And then, yeah, we just slowly built it up over time, same way. So eventually, like, more people came in? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's been growing ever since. So, I mean, now, you know, there's, you know, when we do like, say, a big magic pre-release event, you know, we can, you know, almost sometimes we get almost 100 people in there. What do you attribute its growth to? Well, I mean, most people know it's they build it and they will come, I think. Okay, uh, okay. You know, that's that's been my approach anyway. I think there's a place for the things that we do. Um, but retail has changed a lot too. Like that store is a destination that you can sort of stay at, right? Uh, the downtown store traditionally has been a destination. Like we're, I, I won't say we're world famous. That's going too far, but we are world renowned, right? Those people visit Toronto from all over the world. They make a point of stopping by our store because they know we've got all this stuff from all the way through gaming, you know, we kind of, we're pretty completionist about things. So they know they haven't found it anywhere else. They might find it with us and it happens. So we get a lot of regulars from out of town and, but, but that's for buying things. And that's more and more, you know what, you can go on Amazon now and they got pretty much everything from all over the, you can find just about anything on Amazon. Now you don't have to come to see me. Right. Most of our customers for, you know, we're we're catering to what they call it an aging demographic, right? Mm. Kids these days, I'm going to sound like Grandpa Simpson again in a moment here, but you know, they're approaching everything differently mm-hmm. than than what you know, when generation gaps are shorter and shorter now. Right. You know, it used to take 20 years, now it takes 5 minutes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, by the time this podcast is done, a new generation will be born. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, so now what's your situation? Like, what's your situation you find yourself in? The reason I wanted to get you in here was I wanted to do a little bit of a history of Harry Tarantula. Because you find yourself at sort of this crossroads where, you know, Harry Tarantula is not going to be anymore soon, at least the downtown The location. downtown, the original the, one. The downtown yeah. original location. I thought it was the perfect time to get you in here because you're at a point where you know that's happening so so what's happening what is the what's the problem uh well i mean our building is old okay like really old so we keep finding things wrong um like structurally well right at this point now yeah there's the structural work that needs doing and i think also you know like that building probably should have been demolished ages ago 
and and something else put up for different reasons it hasn't happened yet but i think the landlord's feeling a certain amount of pressure just to pay the taxes on the building it's not you can own a building downtown worth millions of dollars but don't think you're rich you're paying thousands every month in property taxes just to own it you know right um and you've got to recover that somehow uh from renting it to tenants or doing business out of it or something uh, and he can't recover it from you in the way that he used to well i mean we're on the second and third floors right, right? um you know, the ground floor tenants typically pay the most, but, you know, it, all of us have seen just how insane real estate has become mm-hmm. in, the, in the last little while. You know, that's where money is fleeing to, has been fleeing to for some time to, to retain value in, in, I mean, I get too far off topic, but we're living in some interesting economic times here. You know, the big overriding theme that I can see is, is malinvestment. You know, there's lots of money coming out of magical spigots at central banks and, and then weird things happen with property value. The first people to get it, throw it into something and, and you know, the, the price goes up and then it trickles down to the rest of us, but we're, it's too late now. Right. You know, the spending power of that money is gone. Right. When I, when I got the news at first of what was happening, I was like, oh, well, you know, we knew that was coming, but yeah, what a so giant is pain. He, is he just decided? that he needs to kick you out or sell it well they need to Get put work in like they they need to do work on the building regardless okay um, but I know they also are looking to while they're at the work that they must do doing other work that they probably should do if they're at it so that they can recover some kind of better rent like you know i know what we're paying now in rent is a really good deal per square foot in the area we're in mm-hmm. but again the building is you know, it's old. It's it's a it's a fixer upper. Let's put the polite phrase on it. Right. Um, and you know, the landlord wasn't interested in fixing it up, and, and neither was I for the longest time. I mean, it's good enough. You know, we put bookshelves over the walls. Who cares if there's a hole in the plaster, right? Right. <laughs> We're not looking. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't need to be all all that. Um, but you know, some of it, like uh, the carpet that we that we have, is the same carpet that was in there twenty years ago. Right. But replacing that is just too onerous. We never bothered. Like, it's just not worth the, the effort and the expense. But at some point, things get so kind of run down and... and That you have to. You know, when you when you drive your car until the wheels fall off, it probably would have been a good idea to tighten a few nuts and maybe get some new tires, right? right. You're listening to Speech Bubble. More after this. Ho, ho, ho! Attention shoppers! Together we shop! One nation, one holiday, one Santa. Now is the Harry Tarantula Boxing Week sale. Buy till you die. Go to the Harry Tarantula or Santa's going to box you. Harry Tarantula, games and comics for bad boys and girls. Downtown at 354 Young Street, online at H-A-I-R-Y-T.com. So, I mean, that's really where the building is at, I think, and then so the you, landlord. So. They've, they've run it into the ground a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we really have. Okay. Like, the building was running into the ground when we got it. <laughs> <laughs> now it's on borrowed time. <laughs> right. No, but now, I mean, it's, you know, we had a little surprise a couple of weeks, well, a few weeks ago now, um, the landlord was like, we need you to move everything out of this room here, our main stock room. <laughs> <laughs> it's jam full of things. Twenty years almost of, of of stuff piled in there that we haven't moved out to somewhere else already. But it's you you couldn't get your scooter down half the aisles in there. It was really like we didn't let customers back there. Right. It was a little bit dangerous from, you know, a liability point of wow. view. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean like, you know, there's not quite enough room to really walk safely. Right. You know, like the such narrow aisles, like So then the landlord finally said, like, it's unsafe. Like you Well the the floor was 
having trouble. Apparently, a long time ago, somebody pulled a staircase out from the ground floor uh, section. The, the hairy tarantula downtown is is actually comprised of three parallel uh, buildings that are about 12 feet wide. Not buildings. There's one building, but yeah. there's in the innards of it are in three apartments, if you like. Oh, okay. They're about 12 feet wide. And same on the, the floor below. There's three different storefronts running underneath. Right. And each of those had its own staircase at one point going upstairs to the second floor. Mm-hmm. And they were torn out. Okay. And they were structural. And whoever tore them out didn't actually properly brace what was left without the stairs. So... Uh, the floor is literally buckling now. Uh, yeah, some of the joists on um, one part were cracked and they were bowing. And, you know, TikTok all this time, we're piling more and more things in that room. And then, you know, the new tenant comes in downstairs. They had the same tenant for ages. Right. And he, he left. The new tenant comes in and then they wanted to, reno- you know, do work. Like, like um, not, not renovations structurally, but renovations aesthetically, Just cosmetically. Store, yeah. Right. So they're tearing out the, the drop ceiling and they see the actual ceiling behind it so pretty much at the, when that happened i thought maybe you know we were done a year ago because i mean you know they they, they rushed the engineer in there and they they did what they had to do cost them a lot of money you know like but the next day there were, <laughs> there were people there with giant beams of wood and car jacks and they're like right, well. bracing the floor because honestly if the building had been condemned we wouldn't have been able to, like, we would have lost all that inventory that I, you know, I would have had to ninja in there in the night to take my stuff out. Right. And they won't let you. It happened to uh, Salad King when the facade fell off their building. Uh, they had a whole bunch of equipment in, in there. And, right. and, you know, it was, it was hardly even anything, but it was just enough for the building to be condemned as unsafe. Yeah. You're not allowed in. You talk to your insurance company, they would say. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Do you have insurance? Yeah, like if but that was ever going to happen. Yeah, but it's it, not going to. It's not going to yeah. cover. Right. It's not going to cover the catastrophe that that is. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, you know, it's one thing for us to know we're closing the store in a few months, and you know, we've got a process we can go through to 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 do that in an organized fashion, right? It's okay. another thing to suddenly discover, you know, it would be like you go home and your house is gone. Right. You wow. know, there's just a smoldering hole there. You know. Right. So, so what's going to happen? Like. What do customers need to know? Like, when when is this going to happen? When are you going to close? Um, well, at the end of you know, we have our Boxing Week sale every year. is our big our big end of year sale. After that, the southmost third of the store will be walled off, and the downstairs tenant will be taking everything of theirs out, and they're going to do work on that part. But that sort of section is where all the amenities are on the second floor my shower my toilet my kitchen right so i can't live there after this year after christmas yeah and the poor cats everybody loves the cats but they're not going to be there anymore and then so yeah in two months based not even two months from now i don't know when this is going to air but at at the point this airs it won't be much long much much longer at all so at the end of end of 2016 uh the store will shrink to being two-thirds the size for a while and then at the end of february we got to get the rest of it out of there now there is 364 Young is another dive owned by the same landlord that they're also working on, but not as soon. So we're going to be there uh, like with a little pop-up hairy tarantula, sort of keeping our footprint downtown for a little while longer for the summer up until the end of June, probably. Okay. And then we're, we're pro- I don't see myself finding a magical place where I can, 
you know, pay even like a modest 50% more rent than I'm paying now for less space somewhere uh, yeah. that I could live. And, and you know, it, so it really is getting a sweet deal for a long time. Given- yeah, I mean, it, it, yes. And I mean, it's been good for me. It's been good for the landlord, but it had a time limit on it. Right. And it's well past, you right. know, realistically, right. as much as it sucks. We've kind of seen it coming for 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's why we have a Young and Steel's location. Right. We, you know, anticipated this and needed a place to go. Maybe it, it took so much long. We got a little complacent. You know, we kind of forgot <laughs> after always... about five years that we were going to have to move at wow. some point. So, we got so... so used to thinking we were gone any time now that it, you know, yeah. normalcy bias. I was bias, really right? surprised, especially when uh, Silver Snail came in to downtown basically yeah, it was a bit cheeky wasn't it did that affect your business at all i don't know how much it did i don't i mean it could have been good i'm stealing your water here because you haven't touched any of it's it it's okay but i hear and again this is i guess hearsay but i'd heard that uh, one of the partners is gone already the other partner the silent partner that that went in with it is looking to wind it down at the end of their lease okay. so i think they're leaving too uh okay it's slim pickings for comic shops these days well certainly like in the downtown core because you know, like right down there at Dundas Square, you um, know, it's just, you know, it's a hockey stick graph of accelerating rents. Right. You know, like right. it, it really is insane. Mm-hmm. It's not sustainable. But, you know, all of those trends that are happening, um, one of them, I, we started talking about it and we kind of got off, but uh, topic here. But the, the, the people, the aging demographic guys that come to the store, the right. analog people that, you know, we remember life before the cell phone. Right. Right. <laughs> right, right. I mean, to give you a clue, I still don't own one. Right. I'm actually looking at it now. I feel like I probably should, if not embrace this technology, at least adapt to, you know, having a phone. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have one for a while, for a long time, but eventually it becomes like an emergency not to have, like not to have one. Like, like you, you find yourself at crisis points where like you really need a cell phone. Well, yeah, cause there's no pay phones anymore. Right, right. Seriously. Exactly. It's insane. Yeah. You know, and, and God, I'm loath. I just, I don't want to ask anybody to use their phone. Can I give you a dollar to use your phone? And just, I know they think I'm going to try and steal it. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, so did that affect you at all? Like when they, they moved from Queen West, they moved essentially across the street from Mary Tarantula. You'd been there for like a long time and now they can't even really survive based on what you're telling me hearsay. How, right. What right. That's what I heard. But in terms of when they were there right away, did that, did that sort of shrink your, your customer base that you had or? No, no. I don't think so. Okay. Um, so it didn't matter. No, I don't think it mattered much at all. Okay. Um, like the new issues, we weren't really, you know, snails, definitely more of a, a comic issue, you know, mm-hmm. uh, store. And we really weren't doing that much at all. Yeah. So you were different enough that you had your own. Yeah. And then, I mean, they, you know, we sell magic, a lot of magic cards, like specialty, like we've been at that for a long time. They have them, but they don't know what they're doing with them. And right. the community pretty much knows that. So, you know, yeah. people looking for new comic issues, they don't come to see us until they've checked snail already. Right. On the off chance, you know, sometimes we are like, oh, that's going to be a good seller. So we'll get a few for the shelf because I know people will either tourists or people that don't know the snail is where they are, are going to come by and ask us for it. Right. And if the snail didn't order enough, then those people are going to come by and ask us right. for it. So what are you going to do? Like, how do you feel about all this that's happening? Because it, it's your home, sort of. Yeah, no, I'm still kind of in shock. I don't really know. I don't know if I, I, I don't even know how I feel about it right now. I feel like I should probably, that's, well, I think I should probably feel panic, but I don't have time. <laughs> it's like, what I got to do is really find a place that I can live um, that's big enough for my cats. And God, I don't even, I don't know what it's going to be like trying to rent a place with pets. 
How many cats do you have? Four. Five. Five. I'm saying four because um, one of them, she's she's been fighting the cancer pretty well for a while now. And, and yeah. you know, we made Halloween. That was the last goal. So Christmas is the next one. But it's yeah, she, she's older and it's... Um, I don't know. She's still, she's a trooper though. She's still, uh, she's still eating. She's nice. still complaining about stuff and yeah. enjoying stuff as well. So one day at a time, yeah. but yeah, four or five cats. I don't know how you find, uh, I know a lot of places don't want pets. Um, okay. so do you have a plan? Oh yeah. I've always got a plan. What's your plan? Um, at least an outline of a plan, but, um, okay. you know, retail has changed. Uh, it's, it's more about more of a theme park. You know, if people are going to go to a store, if a store is going to survive, it has to be a destination for more than just stuff. It right. Has to You're be... seeing that even with the servers now with the coffee shop. Right. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? um, and this trend has been sort of on the uh, writing on the wall for a while. So, you know, the North End store is well equipped for that. You know, we have a big play area there. We have magic tournaments and Pokemon tournaments. And I'm going to start, you know, what part of the plan is I think I want to start with the comic book stuff, uh, you know, bringing in some guests. For regular kinds of signings and meetings or whatever, you know, like a... Like what the snail had been. Yeah, yeah, same idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We don't really have room downtown to speak of to do that, but we do up north. So, you know, there's all this... I've got all this, all this like sort of wealth of experience in the comic book industry that I'm not really leveraging much at all right now. It's not really what we've been doing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's been a lot of gaming, 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 but I I feel like that's kind of crested a little bit too. You know, the Will Wheaton effect is wearing off now. Board games were a huge huge explosion for a while right the will whedon effect is his youtube series yeah yeah uh, on games right yeah um but there's only like the whole market responded uh it seems to me symptomatic of this malinvestment of capital that's being forced all the time so board games are a big hit so all of a sudden everybody and their uncle's making board games plus they're kickstarting them you know you got a million new games getting kickstarted every month people pouring their money into these these little small booms and busts all over pop all over like pop culture and stuff well i mean board games is a big one yeah you know, and like vinyl pops. There's there's one I'm waiting. When is that bubble going to give? Right. 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 <laughs> it just keeps going and going and going. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, totally. Wow. So your plan is to get back into comics. You said that the graphic novel thing is sort of changing too. Well, no, that, that's still solid. Still solid. That's definitely where we want to be. Just the, the back issues and the, the, the individual comics back. seem to be coming back a little bit into vogue. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even sure why, but and people seem to be getting away from DC and Marvel. Like there's all these alternatives and all this diversity that there didn't used to be. Yeah. To- I mean, you know, image is still pretty good for that. Right. Um, you know, boom, dark horse, um, who am I forgetting? Valiant. Yeah, there's a new Valiant stuff. And I think that, I mean, I haven't been reading a lot of it, but it seems to be being well-received. Right. I've heard good things about mm-hmm. it. So it's a weird dichotomy because as much as there's parts of the business that don't make it sustainable, there's some nostalgia aspects of it that are coming back. That are coming back. Besides the superhero too, I don't know. That's That's what I'm really looking for is, you know, like in Europe, they've got a whole different take on it, right? I mean, right. it's considered literature at least. We're still struggling with that. In, in North America, right? It's still, even though that material, like you're saying, it's out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the comic reading public perceive it to be out there. You know, like there's, there's always been this epic battle in comics between like Marvel and DC and anybody that wants to actually tell a different story. Right. And Marvel and especially their game has always been, you know, comics equals superheroes. Right. I mean, a bit like Bantam deciding that, you know, novels equals Harlequin romance, you know, and you say, oh, you're reading a book? 
no, that, that, that romance stuff is garbage. No, this is a history book. Huh? It, the history of romance. It, it's, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, it's got yeah, nothing yeah. to do with it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and that gives me some sort of a, a notion that, you know, we can maybe provide what we, we, we started as an indie focused comic store back when, 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 uh, when the original guys opened it, that was their thing. Okay. And, and um, and, and I really kind of embraced that. You know, I was way more interested in the other things besides, you know, up, up and away all the time. So it was, Dark Horse and Image and those those sorts of things. Yeah, or like Caliber and yeah. uh, Arrow and God, there's, there's tons of them. Yeah. Blackthorn and there was there was there was there was like a little boom for a while there of like little indie publishers. Right. So you want to go back to that? I want to go back to you know the the it was sort of a creative explosion too, right? Like you know a lot of comics they're still fairly iterative of the same stuff you know it's more superheroes they're just grittier you know you know like when frank miller did batman the dark knight returns you know he reinvented and redefined the superhero now he had angst right, right. <laughs> before it was like you know superman's teeth would gleam in the sun and you know he was everybody happy everything you know whole all american wholesome you know and then yeah there's the the seedy underbelly of batman suddenly you right. know and i mean so and, and that was legit, right? Like, they, they needed, you know, they had to take that kind of 50s, like, gosh, gee, golly, darn it kind of shine off it a little. <laughs> had to give way to something else, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, just like anything. You look at sitcoms from the 50s and then the 60s and then the 70s, and there's sort of a growth and development. You look at what's coming on television now. It's funny because a lot of the, the new, you know, epic, you know, seasonal shows that are coming out, they, they do seem to kind of resemble like a, a longer comic story, not, not a superhero one. Uh, yeah. Like there's more plot, more, like it's not just a bunch of episodes. No, know? it's definitely like serial, serialized yeah. in a more, in more of a way. Yeah. More character development, more plot. Mm-hmm. Cool. Obviously the Harry Transfer is going to move up North, but then where are you going to move? Are you going to move into that store? No, that's not possible. Okay. I'm going to move further North. I think, I, I think, um, just going to take a bit of a pacer, you know, um, I don't really get holidays running two stores. <laughs> it hasn't really yet, or three or whatever. It doesn't happen. I think, you know, the most I've managed in the last decade is like three days at a cottage. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I'm going to step off the rat race a little bit because really, you know, operating a business downtown has become more and more of a rat race. For me, like, uh, I'm glad you're still going to be in the comic book business because you're a unique character. You're a guy who... Even your your website has like your blog posts and different things, and you were always good for like a you know a, a topic like you could talk about anything, and you're really smart. You have all this business acumen. Oh, keep where, going. This where is does, great. Where does that come from? <laughs> where, where does where does the where does the business uh, savviness that you had? Because I mean, you you didn't go to school or anything for that. Not specifically, no. Right. I kind of learned that as I went. Right. You're very intelligent. So how does that? Like, how did you figure it out? Just experience? Yeah, well, I mean, I was always engaged with things growing up. And I think, you know what, people my age were. Like, you know what I think probably a big part of it? This is going to sound a little bit weird. But my sister and I, when we were younger, we learned fairly early on that people at our school had something we didn't called television. Oh, okay. And so we started lobbying pretty hard and we finally my parents relented and got a television for us and i don't know why they didn't have one maybe they didn't care they didn't you know they read the paper they didn't need the news but we were missing a few years of tv 
We had to just do other things. And I honestly, I think one of the most crippling forces in our culture is it's not the television itself. It's the crap that you get when you turn it on, you know? Right. I, I don't think it lobotomized me early enough. So I just grew up like any child in that period would grow up and kind of started exploring the world around me instead of tuning it all out to the glowing box instead, right? right. Expecting, you know, food trays to come out of the glowing box with my lunch on it. You know right. what I mean? Like right. it just, it, it, it breeds dependency and, and, and apathy and, 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 uh, it's, it's a ghastly thing. So, and, and books are an end run around that. You can get a lot more out of a book than you'll get out of watching years of television, depending on what you watch. I mean, I do like to watch documentaries. So when, when I was growing up though, you didn't get to choose anything other than the channel. Right. right now, you can look at whatever the heck you want whenever you want yeah. online, right? So, right. so, but are, do you have the capability, like as somebody growing up, you know, do you have the ability to say, hey, I'm going to learn about this today or that today? Or are you just going to like tune out and, and, you know, vegetate to the distraction medium? So, because you didn't have a TV in those early years, you were doing other things, you were exploring the world, you were reading more, I guess. Right. I think I was an early reader. Yeah. It was my first word, according to my parents, was book. Oh. I actually pronounced it, but that was what I meant. And whenever I saw one, I would and point at it and yeah, yeah. okay, cool. turn the pages and that's awesome, man. I mean, you're a unique character. Like you can't have the conversations at other comic shops that you have at Harry Tarantula. No, it's true. We're known I for mean, that. We we he, do. Kinda. He, he's known for like his his rules. Like your your sort of rules in your store like oh, like no cell phones no cell phones but that's uh, that's understandable aspartame is evil like where does that stuff come from well aspartame is garbage and it it's is, poison yes. it's okay. toxic i just feel like you know it's all like we all we all assemble a point of view right from, and I, from, I remember talking to you about like the illuminati i remember you had that poster on the inside of the on the inside of the door artificial intelligence beats real stupidity right right, right. <laughs> so, so where does that awareness come from well you know i we could get really kind of out there now but i mean i've talked to people my sister did a chart once she was studying astrology apparently like i just it's in my stars you know i kind of like i have this like portal to the to the underside of things like I, I could just for some reason my mind just automatically gathers up the shadows of things and makes sense of them where you know and and, and it's funny because people think oh you're really pessimistic the things you say and it's not true actually i'm i'm uh, what i call a pragmatic optimist but it's hard to mistake it's hard to differentiate rather from cynicism nowadays because you know look at what's going on do you think they're going to choose death or bunga bunga today uh, i hope not death <laughs> I hope bunga do you remember, do you remember that joke yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. death by bunga bunga yeah, yeah, right yeah, that's yeah. that's the choice well, because at the moment today like i feel like i feel like it's like fascism or you know, or 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 uber fascism. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that we've gotten this far without evoking either of those horrible <laughs> candidates. I mean, I should tie them both together and throw them off a cliff. It would be the best thing for all of us. Right, right, right. So, but you seem to have like an awareness and like a fascination with sort of what's happening behind the scenes. Does that ever get you in trouble? Like, do people call you a conspiracy theorist, or yeah, do they oh, think the you're time. a crackpot? Like, I how do you how it. do you deal with that? What is that? What is that? No, that's just proof that I'm doing something right. I mean, you know, being called a conspiracy theorist was my favorite thing for a while because I said, you've just proven me right. Because really, you've used two words like they're one. And I want you to think back to a time when you could say conspiracy without saying theory because it existed. Theories are things. Conspiracies are things. Right. Conspiracy theory is, is something else. So you should maybe, I don't know, go to a courtroom 
sit down and listen to professional judges and lawyers, and they will use the word conspiracy with a very straight face in a very meaningful way with very real yeah. <laughs> facts around it. So there, no, are, there, there, there is a theory being presented, but it's yeah. being proved to be a fact, in fact. so Right. But I think people, they get too much of the of the theory and it's hard for them to separate what conspiracies are actually happening and right, what sure. is just some guy. But they, but they are happening. Right? Yeah. This is the first thing. Okay. Right. Look, people are conspiring. Right. If you think otherwise, let's just move on. Like right. bu- bu- buy a superhero comic and leave me alone. Right. 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 It's okay. You can, okay. you can think what you like. I'm not worried. I'm not offended, but you're not going to change my mind that there are no conspiracies. They're right. all just theories. It's nonsense. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I just like to throw at those people. If they're capable of thought, I say really the term conspiracy theory, is a conspiracy. That term has been introduced and pushed on us, you know, like around the era of the X-Files. To dismiss people right, who you can't, are sort of onto something. Right. You can't hide the facts anymore. In the information age, you, you're not going to hide a fact, but you can surround it with garbage that sounds the same. Right. You know? Do you think, like, as much as there are conspiracies that are real and legit, do you think that that gets clouded by conspiracies that are fake and or at least at least the people delivering the messages like the people that are that are on to the conspiracies aren't doing it effectively enough so then they get dismissed because there are people that i have conversations with and i can't have conversations with them because they're it doesn't make sense or it's it's unreasonable yeah no i know what you mean mean? i do know what you mean um and I, and I, you know, having a reputation as a guy who can talk conspiracy theory isn't always a good thing. When I, you know, some people are still putting it together. You know, right. so there really is. You know, when you ask Alice. There's a rabbit hole. Right. You can go down it. It goes and a long way. When somebody says conspiracy theory, sometimes they're invoking a particular kind of person. Like yes, you know, well, like I mean? the like conspiracy guy out of X Files. Yeah, 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 exactly. I got that all the time because I sort of resembled that guy. You do. Right? You do resemble so, that guy. Um, so maybe it's not really, it's not, not necessarily meant as a dismissive in every sense. Not, maybe, in a, not always. Maybe it's meant as like, I'm a, it's a describe, a descriptive term. I just find, I don't like the term because it doesn't have the corollary of a proven conspiracy. Right. If we talked about theories and then facts, I'd be okay with it. But you only ever hear the term conspiracy theory being used dismissively. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, there's plenty of nonsense you hear that probably should just, you know, you can dismiss it out of hand. But just because it sounds outrageous doesn't mean it isn't true. You know, true. that's crazy. Like, like, I'll give you a good example. Okay. Because like, I like to maintain that the, the, the term conspiracy theory was deliberately introduced. That's a conspiracy to derail discussion mm-hmm. of real conspiracies. Right. You know, you just slide it down the down the conspiracy. Oh, that's a conspiracy theory. You know, yeah. but look at. Uh, do you remember the uh, the information superhighway? Yeah, isn't that what the internet was? Supposed it to be was. Called? Yeah, the information superhighway. What a liberating concept. What is it now? Do you ever hear that? You hear e-commerce now, right? Right. Suddenly, overnight, like it was like a think tank got together, and all the big publishers and media guys are all like, "Okay, we got new marching orders now. There's no more information superhighway." Well, the internet has gone from like a liberating force to a commercialized. Right. Right. It, they they realize, you know, we can't have people turning to this thing to find stuff out yeah right because we're ruled in ignorance right you know i mean and this is like 
you can see this is the this is where we get into the conspiracy theory thing. Oh, nobody rules us, you know. Well, maybe, maybe not. You know, right. you ultimately it's your job. You are the only one that can rule yourself. But if you agree to other people's arrangements for you, then you're doing it for them. Yeah, right. Yeah. This is why people need well, to be silent. Sometimes it's you have no choice though because you have to be able to live within the structure that that's set up for you. Well, like, if you, yeah, I mean, sometimes if I, if I didn't have a bank account, where does my money go? If I don't have a phone, how do I co- and pay for that phone? How do I communicate? Well, if you don't have a bank account, where does your money go? You get to keep it. Right, right, right. <laughs> Ask the people in Cyprus. They- I can't just like I can't put everything under the under, right, under, right, under, right. under the mattress, right? So there are have you got structures. That much money? Like, is there is there uh, no? But is this like, a paying interview? No, no, no. no. <laughs> but like, what I mean is like, there are structures that you might not agree with, but that you have to submit to in order to be able we're to talking function about god? we're talking about god in, now in order to be able to function in the in function in the world right without being so outside of it as to be as to like ostracize yourself ostracize right right well like I'm not, sure i could be off the grid somewhere and like, right but i don't want to be like I, I sort of have to play the game a little a little well especially i can't, you run a store right, right well and, and i mean you know if you really wanted to you could but how you know you're gonna have to find some other people to to, to help you out, right? You're not uh, you're not driving the scooter uh, down a winding mountain trail and hunting quail, right? <laughs> exactly. And I, I mean that's the dichotomy of you too. Like you are all you're aware of sort of some of the stuff that's going on and like the real conspiracy that sort of thing. But as a store owner, don't you sort of play into it? Well, yeah. I mean, it, I play with it. That's for sure. I mean, I, you know, I am pretty backwards. Like I said, I'm really stuck in the analog. I don't own a cell phone yet. That's about to change. Right. But, you know, like I don't have a credit card. Right. I have terms with suppliers and those people I've been dealing with for all these years. But I actually, you know, I'm going to have a problem trying to rent another place as a renter, like as, as a residential renter. Uh, because you have no credit history. I have no credit history. I mean, I got 20 years of paying my rent with my current landlord. Uh, and maybe a letter will help, but maybe a reference. Right. That's, that's what I mean. Yeah. Thing. Like, um, uh, but, you know, those ways of doing things is all, be- you know, I'm kind of old school. Word, you know, handshake, word of mouth. Right. Uh, so, so even you are being fo- like, that's what I mean. You're yeah, being oh, forced yeah. to submit to society the way society is structured because you have to find a way to get along in the world that it gets harder and harder and harder the more outside you want to go i mean we all have the freedom to make our own decisions and choose to live how we want to live but there are certain consequences to living a certain way and one of them is i can't be a resident like it's harder to be a resident cabin somewhere now right yeah, it's right. True. And the more severe the consequences get, the more you sort of have to go into what you may not want to, what you may not a structure that you don't agree, that you don't right. agree with. Right. This is why I'm. That's why I'm looking to move further north. You know, um, how north are we talking? Like cottage country? Somewhat. Yeah. Like maybe okay. Barry or something. I don't know. Somewhere where like the rents haven't gone completely insane. Uh, yeah, and it's still small townish. Right. Somewhere where they might not be like, oh, you have pets. Right. (laughs) Although you have to get you have to get far enough away that like it's not just another feeder suburb 
of Toronto. Kind of. Well, that is, I did a, I did a little running around, and like, while I've been living down there for 20 years, my God, yeah, things have certainly changed all around. Right, like, Barrie is becoming a commuter city. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So you have to go further. You have to go to, like, Bracebridge, or to find that small town. Right, but I still got to be able to get for. back into town right. enough to, right, right. to work. Yeah, right. you know, it's, it's a real problem. It's crazy, because it's like, as much as you're at a crossroads, and I think I'm going to conclude this way, as much as you're at a crossroads with the store and like, this is like a new chapter in your life that you're, uh, old chapter that you're ending and a new chapter that you're starting, you're also at a crossroads sort of in your thinking in the sense that like, you have to adapt to systems that you might not want to, like get right. a cell phone. Or, right, right. You right. know, so what do you know, that's mainly so I can transact in Bitcoin. <laughs> right. Easily. Right. I mentioned it. There we go. I mentioned Bitcoin. Right. That's a whole other conversation. You did the Toronto dollar, though, at your store for a long time. Yep. Yeah. That was... And that's sort of a Bitcoin-ish thing in terms of a, e- a currency in a general way, in, a, in terms right. of a currency that's it's off. A- it's not the mainstream. Right. It's a money. different form of money. Right. Yeah. So, so are comic books and magic cards as well. Right. In a way. Right. Yeah. So Leon, like we got it. We got to get out of here because I, I love it. But yeah, we've been chatting and I've been drinking water this whole time. You would not believe my bladder right now. Okay. Okay. Cool. So it's screaming. at so me. So I guess my last thing is like now that you're at this crossroads, both in terms of your store, but also in terms of Leon might finally have to do things that he doesn't want to do right what what are your final thoughts about that what do you think of it how do you reflect on where you've been and where you're going can't make me (laughs) 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 i'm i'm more stubborn than than i know yeah honestly that is a great question i haven't i haven't had time i think what i'm gonna do when i find somewhere to do it is reflect a bit so the first on the agenda is vacation right well and i think you know finding a place to live that's not fused with a business that I'm running all the time that's outside of the city right will suffice I'll uh, you know that will be enough for me I don't have to go to Cuba or or you know whatever that I can do later anyway maybe if I want but wow so this might be the last time we really see each other uh, well, if, if you're not up to young, I mean, I'm, we're, we still are maintaining some kind of footprint, I, I think. I haven't actually signed right. on this yet, but like we're definitely there till the end of February. Okay. Uh, downtown. And then hopefully the end of June at the place up the street. Okay. Uh, like five doors up. Okay, cool. But again, that's a challenge for you. Like, I got to give you props too, because, you know, a guy in a scooter and, and he's, you know, got a file at a, a comic store on the second floor. You know, you're, you're like, just yeah. call, we're run down. Yeah. Here's your books there. That's a basic, that's you a basic drag yourself for me. up those stairs. But the more north you go, like, the more north you go, I can't follow because right. it eventually becomes impractical and inconvenient. Right. Is the subway line the delimiting? Yeah. Well, there is a subway line, but like, if I can go to another store that's closer to my place. Right. I'd rather do that than travel to like Finch for like an hour. You're making me cry here. You, you know I mean? interview. Look, you know, you know what I mean? So, so personally, did Neil, did, did you tell Neil you were going to be this mean to me? When no, you I, I, I haven't even told him that I'm interviewing <laughs> you actually. I haven't told him that I'm interviewing you at all. He's probably going to listen to this and, uh, you know, hopefully he'll enjoy it. But, um, in terms of, yeah, like for me personally, it's sort of a bit of a closing of a chapter because obviously I'm going to be around for like the last days of Harry Tarantula and like I'm going to go there. We got to figure out a party or something yeah, too. Exactly. Like I, I'm, I'm so exhausted. I'm like, yeah, really? I haven't gotten to that yet because I got so many things to figure out, but I, I, I know I will regret not 
doing some celebratory closing of the thing, of the original thing. store. Exactly. But I just right now, I, every time I think about it, I'm like, God, uh, I just gotta find a place to live. Where am I gonna plan a party? Right, right. You're, <laughs> you got stress. I mean, you're gonna have the store up north, which is great for people who can follow, but the people that can't, sort of like me, right? I mean, that's kind of. But we are going digital now. That's something I. That's oh. something I've. There, there's oh, a good okay. answer for one of your questions. Something okay. I've always resisted. It's it's kind of ironic because people told me for like a long, long, long time, in years and years, you should go online, build a webs, blah blah blah. I'm like, yeah, like I, we're we're a brick and mortar store. Mm-hmm. Come in, come see us. Right. And my my reasoning was first of all, a lot of this stuff is very complex, and now there are better solutions. But at the time, we were looking, as these things are coming into the fore, spending a lot of time and energy to come up with something that's not going to work properly. Like just killing ourselves to make this thing. And my feeling was always, you know, by the time we get the online thing working properly, and then we're dependent on it, you know, now it's become enough of our business that we need something bad is going to happen on the internet or whatever. And then we're just like... You know what I mean? Yeah. And and ironically, that you know, we've started doing that now. We have an online store now. And and the bad thing happened a different way. Right. <laughs> have to move. But but sort of to to wrap it up, like we've got the physical store at Young and Steels, we're gonna keep that, and then the other store will kind of move into the ether online, a bit like you know, like Obi Wan. Right. You no, know, he was struck down, so but, but still, he was still, still there, bigger, better than ever before. Right. In the so ether. I can still be connected. Right. As right. Lo- online connected. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Are you on social media? Oh, yeah. how, how can they get updates to what's happening? At we the have store? an app too, which is the the coolest thing. There's, a, there's a, a, an okay. iPhone and a, a, an Android and Apple are the two uh, primary on, platforms. So Harry Tarantula, the app. Yeah. I love you because you're like one foot in, one foot out all the time. <laughs> all the time. I am adaptable, right? Yeah. People accuse me a lot. People say, how can you, you know what, you're, how can you say all this stuff and you're in business as a capitalist? And I said, what do you mean? I'm a, I'm a, maybe I'm just adaptable. Did you ever think of that? Right. Like, why do I have to be this capitalist, you know? And, and, and really, yeah, no, I'm, I'm playing with it. I'm not living it. I'm loving it. Like, like, you know, like some kind of like, you know, business gangster, you know, it's all about the money. You know, business is about people and relationships. Money just happens. If you think business is about money, you're never going to get it. Well, and there's a lot of that going on right now. And that's what I'm fleeing in some ways too. Right. It's like find me a place where people actually realize it's not about dollars, it's about people. Yeah. And then when you understand that everybody's got some. Right. And <laughs> you just you just need money to live, right? And right. hopefully it's- money comes as a byproduct of those relationships that you're talking about. Right. So there you go. All right, man. We got to get out of here. Uh, thank you for tuning in to uh, Speech Bubble. You can find us on neversleepsnetwork.com. You can find us on the Points of Interest Network at pointsofinterest.com. And you can find us at anelegantweapon.com. Uh, you can follow us at Speech Bubble Pod on Twitter or facebook.com slash Speech Bubble Pod. Leon, it's been a slice. It's been great. Thanks for having me here. Thank you. And we'll see you next time on Speech Bubble. This has been Speech Bubble, the podcast that goes one-on-one with Toronto's comic book luminaries. See you next time. General? Proceed, Henderson. About the hairy tarantula in Toronto, sir? You have my attention, Henderson. Surveillance indicates some sort of preparation. This can only mean one thing. Henderson.
Anderson, dispatch a team topside now. Sir? I'll not miss this liquidation opportunity. Sir? A sale at the Harry Tarantula. Uh, be sure to get me the latest Tokyo Pop manga. Sir? Therefore, my granddaughter. Sale at the Harry Tarantula this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. If you still don't know where, look it up. Nutball, Harry. Henderson, why are you still here? 